Hey, what's up, everybody? One of your hosts here at Omega Metroid Podcast, Dak, with a quick message before you listen to this episode. On this episode, myself and Doom are going through some pretty long uh, and, and at times detailed uh, rewrites of Metroid Dread. I know Doom's document is like three pages long and mine is like eight or nine pages long. So if you want to follow along with what we've written, we have our notes in the show description. So you can check that out and follow along with our ideas as we go through them on the episode. Or you can check out the show notes after the episode if you didn't retain any of it and want to go through it again. So I uh, just want to give that little shout out right there that the show notes are available for you to follow along with us on the episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. Andy Spiteri, Dakota Lasky, Duminal Crossing, the whole band is here, and we got a lot to dive into today. Gentlemen, how we feeling on this fine Tuesday? Doing all right. Um, I was supposed to have a new desk last week, and uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of travesties have happened with that. The thing got damaged in shipping, and a bunch of stuff. So I have my temporary setup right here, hence why the camera is so far back away from your beautiful, beautiful faces. But we will we will have the uh, the cool setup in due time. There you go. Nice, nice. There you go. Um, yeah, you got to get on the L desk uh, avenue here, man. It's an L desk <laughs> angle. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, a little a little later recording than our than our usual one, so we'll be recording this, and then I'll be jumping on to edit it right after, and then jump right. on to some some Destiny because the new season started. We had the nice final shape showcase, which was dope. Also, went to the LCS finals this past weekend, uh, the North American League of Legends like esports league championship, which was cool. It was right in the Prudential Center, so that's like twenty minutes um, from my apartment, twenty thirty minutes, and yeah, that was really dope. Um, Armored Core on the way, Starfield on the way. Excited about that. Um, yeah, things are things are doing pretty good. The summer's wrapping up, but I feel like it's still gonna be kind of hot for a little while, at least until <laughs> mid late September. I would have to imagine. Um, Dude, we got like half of our yeah. our province on fire up here. Like it's it's hot. Well, you're on fire. There's a hurricane, I think, close to where Doom is. There, yeah. there was one, right? It's- it's a few hours. It's about it's about seven hours away from where where I'm at. Luckily, oh, it okay. seems that so not at least near you at all. from what I <laughs> from what I've read so far, it seems like the damage wasn't quite as bad as what people were anticipating. All my LA friends seem to be good for the moment, so that seems that's to be good, good at least. Uh, that's what I heard too, yeah. which is great. Um, but yeah, how about that that climate change? Let's start taking that seriously, I guess. But uh, no, just just yeah. just. Oh, whatever. Yeah, it'll sort yeah. itself out one of these days <laughs> make sure you recycle um so so speaking of games coming out soon you mentioned uh, a couple there dak one game that's coming out soon mm-hmm. is super mario wonder and this is gonna yes. be the first the first mario game since god super mario 64 where mario will not be voiced by the legendary Charles Martinet. We have a lot to get into today, so unfortunately, we don't have a ton of time to spend talking about this. But uh, we we thought it was appropriate to to honor and respect this man who has brought so much joy and so much character and so much enthusiasm and passion to what could have been just like a throwaway 
you know, appearance. Uh, but it, but instead, it's really like defined the character of Super Mario, and uh, he's going to be stepping away, retiring. Which you know, he, I mean, he's getting up there, right? Like he's he's not a spring chicken, so I mean, he deserves this. He's going to be. He's he's basically on like a WWE Legends contract now. He's gonna be a, yeah, he's a Mario ambassador. Yeah, Mario ambassador. He gets to travel around and you know do the voice and say yeah. hi to people and take pictures. Like that's not a bad gig, I'm that's, sure. That's a great gig, honestly, yeah. and that that seems like the perfect gig for for Charles Martinet at this point. So uh, you know, I I got the opportunity to talk a little bit about about Charles on a podcast that I did earlier uh, for over on Virtual Theater, so you can check that out. But uh, just really quickly, guys, um, you know, it's the end of an era. What, What is your, I guess, like, what's the legacy of Charles Martinet and just anything that you want to say, uh, you have the floor. Um, well, first. Yeah, Doom, go ahead. I feel like you have more to say on this than I do. <laughs> well, first, I have to issue a small question. Uh, a Well, actually, if you will, Charles Martinet did voice Mario in Super Mario 64, as well as Mario Teaches Typing 2, I believe, before that. So he has... He does have a little bit of game experience in that era as well, so want to get that out there for uh, people. But uh, yeah, obviously, like it's it, it's kind of a bittersweet moment. I'm ultimately happy because I mean, you know, while yeah, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment. At the same time, you know, judging by the Super Mario Brothers Wonder trailer, you know, I you know whoever the new cast in the recording booth is, they they sound fine to me, and you know, I think in due time we'll just all be used to it. But yeah, Charles. Is just an absolute living legend. I've had the pleasure of meeting him on a few different occasions, and I mean, the guy—the guy is Mario. He is—he is that 100% authentic and genuine, and just a just a genuine loving person in real life who just absolutely adores talking and interacting with fans. He's one of the most wholesome people that I've gotten to meet. I actually had a thread on Twitter where I talked about the first time I met him. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. I'm not going to go into that story though cuz we got a lot to cover today and I'll just pass it off to Dak from here. Yeah, well I haven't met him, but I think I either heard his pre-recorded or live voice at Nintendo World through a screen. So like that was cool. Um one time it was like a he was like virtual Mario like interacting with people in the crowd. So that was that was dope. Um yeah, end of an era. I think it's one of those things where you don't kind of think about like, oh like he'll just be doing Mario forever. Like it's, yeah. it's like he's Mario. So it's kind of it's weird to think about someone else would be voicing them. But at the same time, it's I guess that makes sense. Passing up the torch, so, so to speak. Um, also, like, I mean, it, it's Mario. I feel like, I mean, if Chris Pratt can do it, I feel like I, so we must be in good hands with whoever <laughs> they got for for wonder and, and future games. So yeah. I'm sure, you know, I, I don't know the circumstances. I mean, I'm, I, I would have to imagine that this was on good terms, I would hope um hope he definitely enjoys his time post mario retirement and now in the mario ambassador um era definitely deserves whatever he wants because he's done some incredible work bringing the character to life and i i feel like it's going to be probably seamless i mean i'm not going to be i'm personally not going to be kept up at night not hearing charles martinet's voice as mario but i know that's i mean me included that's like it's like an iconic voice and like a childhood character that we all grew mm. up with so um, it's definitely going to be a change, but I'm sure whoever's jumping on, I don't, I don't know who the the new voice actor is. I don't know if anybody does actually, but I know no, I don't. So nobody okay. does so right I, now. I wasn't sure if this was like public information, but whoever it is, I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Um, good luck to them. And yeah, yeah um, Charles Martinet kind of signing off. I mean, after a, I mean, literally, who else gets to say that they were the actual voice of Mario for like three decades? Literally, it, Mario himself. So that's that's a legacy right there. I don't think anyone can match. Uh, and, and a very nice poetic in hindsight moment too, where, you know, he, 
he is the dad in the in the Super Mario Bros. movie. He's he's Mario's dad. He's Mr. Oh, Mario. And he and he it's almost like now you look back and it's like this passing mm. of the torch to I mean, unfortunately it's Chris Pratt, but you know, symbolically just like saying like the next generation of Mario can come in. So you know, you said the nice. Super Mario Bros. movie and I immediately thought you were talking about the nineties one and not the new one that just came out. And I was like, wait, is yeah. that oh, never mind. There's another Mario <laughs> Brothers movie now we can talk about, so um but yeah. It's uh, it's the inferior Mario. I, I I know that I said that I gotta do a quick or like we gotta do stay on topic, but man, we covered on virtual <laughs> theater. We covered the very first video game movie ever made, 1986, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. It's this animated Japanese Mario movie, and it is wild. It's on YouTube. Everybody should go watch it. Anyways, so yeah, shout out to the legendary Charles Martinet. Um, what a what a great performer! What a, by all accounts, a, a great guy, and uh, leaves a a great legacy. And I and I think Nintendo did honor him in the right way. Um, it certainly brought to mind for me images of when Konami booted out David Hayter as the voice of Solid Snake, and this was handled in a much classier way. So I, I was I was happy to see that. So yeah, enjoy yeah, and they, your and they say retirement. That- yeah, and they say that later, soon later, there's going to be a special message with him and Miyamoto. So I assume that's oh. going to be like the official, like kind of ceremonial send off. That's when men cry watching that. That and when Reggie retired, man, man, oh man. Uh, okay, well, so last week we we pulled a, a one eighty and we did an inspired by Metroid that covered Dead Cells, but the original plan was to uh, was to do a show that essentially, I don't want to say script doctored, but uh, I, I threw out a challenge to, to Dak and Doom, and I was like, you know, nobody here I don't think is like super, super content with the story of Metroid Dread. At at its best, I think you guys would say it's acceptable. At its worst, nonsensical. Um, so I was like, let's rewrite that story in how we would have liked to see that story play out. And um, so we've got like, We've got a, a ton, a ton of pages of story to go through. We're going to try and get... <laughs> I took that literally when you said it's rewrite bit, the story. It's unbalanced. Like, yeah. Okay, we'll rewrite the story for sure. And I dumped into a Google Doc and started typing. So it is It is our intention today to get through both Doom and Dax uh, pitches for the story of Metroid Dread. But we're going to see how it goes. This It might have to be a two-parter. I'm not sure. I haven't... I haven't seen anything other than the page count, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, Doom is at you're at what three or four? Is it what, just over the... three? Just over three pages. You know, I already did a thirty plus page uh, thesis uh, to get out of college. I'm good on writing, you know, long papers at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I mine is at officially nine pages. So yeah. so I have a question for you guys too. Like you. Like when I wrote out when I redid like the other M story, I just I basically made like bullet point kind of things. I think I had like three or four pages of notes. Is that kind of the same kind of style that you guys did? Like we're like you're talking like just kind of the general gist of the story from start to finish. Or are you guys writing out like scenes like dialogue, stuff like that? Like how intense are we talking? Or do you want to just save that for when we get there? Um, it's, there's some bullet points, um, some kind of exposition paragraphs that I have. There's right. not much dialogue, maybe like a line or two where I think it's as necessary or something, but otherwise, nah. Okay. Um, mine is written prose style. Like if you were reading like the synopsis of a story on Wikipedia or something. Okay. So it's, it's not bulleted. It's like the story. And it also like 
is blending like the cutscenes and also just the general progression of the game together. Mm, so yeah. um, I have yeah. that, but I, I don't have any specific dialogue. I do have like what they say, but not maybe how they specifically say it. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, that that's the description I should have used for mine too, because I I did like a Wikipedia style roundup as yeah, well. Like you, if you were reading an article about a yeah, movie yeah. you just watched, that's kind of how I went into it. But I, I have ten pages of it, and it's broken up into multiple acts. But you know, whatever. Okay, so the last couple rules of engagement here before we get started, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but is it fair to say that Doom, your dread script is is kind of like a a tinkering of the dread story using the general premise of the story of Metro Dread as we know, similar to what I did with Other M. Would, would that be fair to say where it's a new story yeah. but within the same framework? Yeah, I think so. It's I think it's I think it's more closer on the spectrum to your other M pitch. Okay. And and Dak, you just went full bore. You're just like, no, nah, I'm throwing that garbage out. Like I let's let's just create something new. Is that fair to say? Not entirely. It is a completely it is a new story, but it uses the same ingredients. So it's the same okay. characters, the same locations. The locations are slightly changed and the characters are slightly changed, but it's just more or less like I tried to take the elements of dread and rearrange them and kind of modify them a little bit, but I, I'm not introducing like completely new factions or okay. people that aren't already in dread, maybe with like an exception or two. Um, but more or less, it's like everything in here should be familiar. At least like there's Emmys and there's ZDR and all that kind of stuff. It's okay. like it, all the, all those kind of ingredients are still, are still in it. Okay. Well, uh, awesome. I, I'm stoked. I was really, really excited about this episode, and I'm I'm pumped to get going here. So I think Doom. We're gonna start with you. So uh, I'm I'm gonna just hand it over to you. You can walk us through, take us through the the opening moments of Dread, and take us right to the finish. And uh, if you if you want, tell us if you want to weigh in. If not, we'll just kind of sit there and and let you do your thing. Absolutely, let's go. <laughs> so so like I said. Um, so this rewrite that I'm doing, it uses quite a bit of the same exoskeleton from Metroid Dread. In fact, kind of what I was planning on on this is that basically I wanted to take the Metroid Dread we already have and almost recontextualize it to a degree. And so from that perspective, 99% of the gameplay from start to finish is going to be identical, you know, to the actual Metroid Dread that we have today. It's just taking those story elements and recontextualizing them and tweaking bits and pieces here and there. But what exactly am I addressing? So, you know, I've talked about I've talked about some of my story issues with Metroid Dread in the past. You can look at those previous episodes if you want me to go more in depth on that. But basically, uh, the first the first and foremost thing I'm addressing is, uh, of course, the Galactic Federation involvement. You know, I've been waiting 20 plus years to see where that story point goes and to have it not even acknowledged in Dread. Incredibly disappointing. So I wanted to fix that, though. It also isn't necessarily the biggest focus of my story. We'll get into that later. Uh, the second thing I wanted to address is um, a one-dimensional uh, a one-dimensional villain in Ravenbeak, who is a cool character. He's got a sick design. He's one of the best boss fights in the series. But at the end of the day, he's kind of just another mustache-twirling villain of the week NPC. And there isn't really a lot done with him. And I think for someone with Ravenbeak that has as much influence of the lore that this game gives him, I think I think he deserves a little bit more. So I wanted to flesh him out a bit more. And kind of going in with that, I also wanted to somewhat address the handling of the Chozo. I actually didn't do much. I just did a couple of small tweaks that I think fix all my issues there. 
Um, what what I did do is I snipped out. Uh, we we talked about this on some of the more recent episodes. What what I think are some really bad fan fictiony plot points. Uh, in particular, the uh the Toha Machin uh, Gene uh thing with the with the Metroids. Uh, definitely not a fan of that plot point. It um it, it very much feels like Metroid jumped the shark with that one. Uh, discounting other M, of course. So that is nowhere to be found in the narrative. Um, some overall, some overall all continuity cleanup and uh, some narrative pacing issues. You know, Metroid Dread. You know, you have the beginning, you have a big exposition dump in the middle, and then another exposition dump in the ending, and that's kind of about it. In this new story, I want everything to be paced out a little bit better. And so, exposition you know, it's all over the place, not to everywhere. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, I mean, they're it's they're primarily in the beginning, middle and end, though, is what I'm saying is that's like like that, those are like the focal points of the exposition. Yeah, 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 so yeah I yeah. wanted and, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm I'm spreading the peanut butter a little bit. You know, we want we want spreading equal coverage. Peanut butter. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Yeah. So that's what I want to address. Let's uh, let's get on with the prologue. Let's do it. All right. So this is mostly unchanged from the current setup of Dread, with some additional information. Samus is sent on a mission to planet ZDR to recover a deployment of missing Emmy units that went MIA during an expedition, an expedition to verify the presence of potential ex-parasites. The additional caveat, though, is that this time during the fusion recap, Samus also mentions the growing presence of a potential coup within the Galactic Federation that nearly jeopardized her last mission. She also mentions that her and Adam's testimonies have already led to numerous actors being sentenced. However, investigations are still ongoing to root out the heart of the corruption. And that's it. Otherwise, we got the same the same opening premise that we did with Metroid Dread, just with that little additional caveat in the beginning. Okay, I like it. So let's get... Yep. Short, sweet, and simple. The main game. The majority of the game from this point will play out nearly identical with some slight changes. The introductory cutscene plays out almost exactly the same, but this time with Samus showing some subtle hesitation and surprise as she raises her arm cannon up to Ravenbeak, as this is the first Chozo she's seen in decades. The gameplay will include optional scan data or some other device to world build and deliver narrative to the player in a way so that it isn't so exposition loaded in the middle and end sections of the game. This will be very important soon, and I'll refer to these collectively as logbook entries moving forward. So we got some Metroid Prime influence in the gameplay, and that's kind of that 1% addition that I'm making to this otherwise unchanged gameplay. Adam's dialogue in the networking stations is less uh, sussy, if you will, and uh, this is no longer just Ravenbeak impersonating him, but the real Adam the whole game. So this is our kind of first major story change that I'm making here. We're n- the the twist at the end that Adam was Ravenbeak the whole time, not a thing. The real Adam is with you the entire time. Okay. The Quiet Robe encounter does not involve the Purple Emmy, including its deactivation. Quiet Robe is not assassinated by a robot Chozo soldier. And when giving Samus directions to the service, he also mentions a passage in Elan he thinks is the quickest route. This will come into play later. After the ex-parasites are released, there is no cutscene of Quiet Robe's corpse being infected since he is no longer dead, as mentioned before. <laughs> and by the time Samus reaches Hanubia, Adam is able to communicate through her comlink again, just like the intro. I always thought that was weird. Like, why isn't Adam talking to Samus? I get it. It's a because they introduce it as a gameplay mechanic for the network stations. 
But in the story sense, it doesn't make sense for Samus to reach Anubia and not have Adam in her earpiece again. It would have solved a lot of problems, if, mm. if you ask me. So that's pretty much most of the game right here. Let's go right into the finale, because at this point, nothing much has changed. Near the end of the game, Samus takes a transport pod to the floating fortress of Iterash, and the game plays out very similarly to how it currently does. Samus confronts Ravenbeak, unleashes her full Metroid abilities when she's nearly defeated, and escapes the planet. The only changes I'd make here are that I would show specifically what causes the planet to explode, since it dread it kind of just does because it's a Metroid game. My version of this being that Ravenbeak sacrifices himself somehow to blow up the planet in a last-ditch effort to exterminate the X and Samus together. I would also cut the scene of Quiet Robe X curing Samus because, as mentioned before, the Thoha genes uh, in Metroid Link is no longer a part of my new narrative. Where Quiet Robe does appear instead, however, is during the Crade X kind of Super Saiyan moment. Since Ravenbeak has instead sacrificed himself to blow up the planet, this role is now filled by Quiet Robe. The end. Or is it? You might have noticed that most, if not all, of the changes made to the narrative didn't have any payoff. It feels incomplete and unfinished. And that's because it very much is, and this is where the logbook entries come in. We have either lacked context to, or have outright been lied to throughout this entire story, and only by collecting the necessary logbook entries will both us, the player, and Samus uncover the truth, thus changing the outcome and finally giving some much-needed context to the overall story. This is somewhat inspired by what Metroid Prime Hunters did with its endings. One non-canon ending that was rushed and one true ending that was complete. The truth. Before the events of the first Metroid game, Ravenbeak received a distress call from the Chozo on SR388 and led a team to extract them off the planet. Upon arriving on the planet, though, it seemed as if the threat had already been neutralized. That's when it was revealed that the remaining Chozo had been infected by the X-Parasite and set up Ravenbeak's forces in an ambush as an attempt to leave the planet to a Metroid-free zone. Upon leaving, as mentioned in the original narrative, there was an X-Parasite stowaway that had slipped by and infected one of his soldiers. The X-Parasite stayed in hiding for years, slowly reproducing and infecting various Chozo one by one until a few weeks ago where it had finally built up enough forces to reveal itself and engage in a full-scale attack. The Chozo were no match, falling by the thousands. Ravenbeak and his remaining forces were able, able to temporarily contain the threat in Elon, and as a last-ditch effort, contacted the Galactic Federation in hopes of additional reinforcements to help them. When the Emmys landed, however, they immediately started violently killing and extracting the DNA of any Chozo soldier they came across. Damn. Nothing they threw at them could stop them, and they ultimately had to retreat. Upon seeing Samus arrive, Ravenbeak assumed that she was there to finish the job. He did not hesitate to engage, but again had to retreat right before finishing her off, when she unknowingly started siphoning his energy. What do we think of this so far, guys? Before we go into the new finale, with this alternate storytelling, where are we at so far? Dak, what do you think? <laughs> um, okay, so... so um sorry i'm trying so, i have i'm keep so it i have, sounds I have to notes. me it sounds to me like ravenbeak is like the good guy here right like he he's an anti-villain at worst and a misunderstood hero from from what i'm picking up here right um, yes right so so i mean i i can i can be down with that i think um 
I, I, I want to see. I want to see your payoff before before. Yeah, I yeah. Wait. I want to hear the finale, the true finale first. Yeah. Okay. All right, gotcha. I will. Well, I will say. Right in- I will say one thing. I'm. I'm not a fan of like having to get like a lame ending and and like a like a good ending. Like I like a little bonus if you get a hundred percent. But like I want to. I want to have like my whole story because like who knows how many Metroid fans are gonna like actually. Like, especially considering Metroid Dread is, like, the first Metroid game for a lot of people. I don't know if, like, that they a lot of people are going to, like, 100% it. And if they don't, and they're just kind of like, oh, that's a that's a lame ending. I don't know how I feel about that. But, I'm well, sorry. Well, the thing is, well, the thing is, with the current ending, like I said, it plays out pretty much identical to the current Metroid Dread. So, if anything, it's more so, like, the lame ending is the current Metroid Dread ending, to an extent, with some changes. And then the real f- the real ending, there's a lot more context that's fleshed out. And the cutscenes themselves don't really play out all that much different. It's more so just very subtle changes in, like, you know, body language that Samus might do is, you know, she reacts to stuff that she has information to. So, let me, so I just want to make sure that, that we're all on the same page here. So, the Thoha mock and stuff is, is gone. That's not part of the narrative, right? The, the DNA done. part, the DNA part. But I, I mean, still... oh, like I, I thought just like those two tribes, period, were gone. Oh, no, it's my like understanding it's... that they still exist. It's just the whole DNA shenanigans with like that stuff is not in. But otherwise, they're still Correct. different tribes okay. with different identities. Okay. okay. Awesome. Yes. Or groups or whatever. Okay, perfect. All right. The real finale. So after collecting the necessary logbook entries, this time when entering the real final act, um... Samus confronts Ravenbeak, this time with less aggressive body language as she attempts to de-escalate. Despite Samus trying to lower her perceived hostility, Ravenbeak still doesn't trust her and views her as a threat. And this starts the final battle, which plays out similarly, though this time with an alternate musical theme, one almost with one with a tone of sorrow, kind of similar to the Prime 3 Bounty Hunter themes, where it gives off the sense that Samus is forced to take them out, but doesn't want to. On a side note, in the actual Metroid Dread, the fact that Samus has to take out seemingly the last member of the species that raised her, whom she previously thought to be extinct on, is not ta- is not touched on and frankly baffling in my opinion. And with the true ending of this revised narrative, my goal is to hopefully address this, as well as make Ravenbeak out as a more interesting character than, as I said before, mustache-twirling villain. Mm. From here, everything plays out similarly to the fake ending, this time with a bit more time inside the ship's cockpit at the end, as both Samus and Adam process everything that just happened before rolling to credits. And of course, by collecting 100% items, we get a little bo- get a little post-credits scene. You know, everyone's a big fan of those nowadays. Marvel movies certainly like them. So gathering all the lockbook entries unlocks a true ending. However, the final piece of the puzzle by getting 100% of the items on the map, rather than a typical post-credit cutscene with visuals, this plays out with exclusive voiceover on a blank screen, kind of similar to the Metal Gear Solid 2 post-credit scene. Mm. We hear an unknown figure in what I, I know Andy liked that one. <laughs> we hear an unknown figure. We hear an unknown figure in what sounds like an isolated office speaking with someone else who we cannot hear. The figure discusses the mission report from everything that transpired in a negative connotation, as if something went wrong. When the figure talks about Samus's Metroid transmission, they pause mid-sentence, as if the person they're speaking to has interrupted them. A few seconds pass and they respond with, I see. So we proceed as planned. After the person on the other side responds, the figure signs off with, Very well. It will be done. And that's it. That's the only hint you get. You'll have to find out what happens next in Metroid before we sign off and we get into the discussion though there's a couple of things that aren't explicitly stated in the narrative 
that are heavily implied that I just want to quickly go over. Uh, so in case no one caught on before, Quiet Robe was the original X Parasite stowaway on SR388 and has been infected the entire game. Hmm. And a bigger parallel, I really wanted to connect Samus uh, with Ravenbeak um, in, in a better way than Metroid Dread did. Because um, because in Metroid Dread, they kind of pull the I am your father kind of somewhat, kind of like Empire Strikes Back. I didn't really feel like that felt earned. And so rather than making them literal blood relatives to a degree, I wanted to make them almost head down a similar path to an extent. And what I mean by that is Ravenbeak begins as, you know, a fairly respectable, normal character who descends into madness after being betrayed continuously with horrifying conse consequences weighing on his consciousness. And his naivete is ultimately his downfall. Samus has the potential to head down a similar path, and she will ultimately meet Ravenbeak's fate unless she makes a change. And this is, of course, in her unwavering trust of the Galactic Federation, despite their ineffectiveness to fully root out a growing tumor amongst their ranks. Gentlemen, that's all I got for you today. What do we think? Based? Cringe? Little in the middle? Uh, so I, I have a few thoughts. I, have a few I, thoughts. As, I do as well. Feel so, free to go ahead, though. I like I like giving Ravenbeak more of a of an arc and personality. Um, I would say, um, I think I would say like if 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 you were to go that route, which again I, I don't love like doing kind of an eh ending and like a good ending. I think for me, I would want to be rewarded with the good ending where like some way Ravenbeak lives to fight another day. That that would be my personal preference. But I think you run into a problem here. Because you're retconning Metroid Dread, of course, that's the whole goal here. But then you also have to retroactively take what was implied in Samus Returns and, like, kind of throw that out the window to make this Ravenbeak stuff work. Which, um, I, I mean, like, you, you could, but, like, I, I feel like... I feel like that's kind of like set in stone to a degree, almost. So maybe there could have been a way to work around that. I'm not sure. Um... Yeah, I don't well, know. I, Dak, I think you... I did because the Samus, well, the Samus Returns cutscene, it just shows Ravenbeak's forces killing the Chozo, and it's an implied. It's right. certainly implied that it's a villainous act, but I'm again, I'm just recontextualizing it. Right. <clears throat> um. Okay. So, I have two two things of opinions. Things that like I don't think work or do work, and then things that like whether or not they work or not is irrelevant to like how I feel about them. Like they might work, but they might not be for me. Um, mm -hmm. I like that you're trying to address the Federation thing. That's what I do. I just wish you did more of that. Um, I feel like just mentioning that there might be a coup at the beginning. And then they're like, like for me from dread, I wanted the Federation part to be like mm. answered, like answered definitively. Um, and I still don't get that from your version. I get like the mention of a coup and then a hint at more at the very end of the game. And it's kind of like kind of pushed That's to the side. Well, and, there, and there's also the Emmys and the as Emmy, well, and the, which are well, yeah, and the Emmys and the Emmys, which Actually, I I like that aspect. Um, and, and I just want to say really quick too, as as someone that wasn't like as much on that on that side as Dak is, like I I think I I like what you did, acknowledging it and leaving the door open for more stories with it in the future. So I was yeah. okay with that. I think that's just more of a personal thing of like yeah. for me the Federation. I want that to be addressed and we move on from it. I hate that it's being dragged along uh, as long as it has been. Um, where are my where are my notes here? Here we go. Um, 
I think making Adam part of the whole game instead of fake Adam is definitely better. Uh, Quiet Rogue getting assassinated or not getting assassinated definitely better. Um, I like that you are trying to make Ravenbeak not one dimensional. I'm pers- I don't think how you did it is um, ineffective. I think it's fine though. I I wish all the stuff, all the cool stuff you described that was in the logbooks. I wish it was just in the game. You know, uh-huh. all that stuff. Like, I think logbooks are great, but when the story that the logbooks are telling me is like very compelling, I'm like, I just want to see it. You know, I think the thing about like in Prime is that a lot of that stuff like happened mad long ago, or it's like kind of like individual bursts of like stories where it, there's nothing in there that like I necessarily like needed to see in game. I didn't feel like I was kind of robbed. Whereas in this, you're kind of like describing like, oh, this sounds awesome. But if I had to just read it in little logbooks, I'd be like, just show me it in game, you know, like just yeah. give me the uh-huh. that's the kind of the thing is I want more of the story in the active story. But I like incorporating the logbooks. Um, Ravenbeak as a tragic character is not what I was expecting here. Mm. It doesn't work for me personally. But I like that you went for it, and I think how you went about it is is not bad. Um, I think that's like very has a very clear motive. I think the problem. I think the thing is that he needs like a better motivation, and you gave him mm-hmm. one. Um, I am not a huge fan of Samus being like hesitant. Like at this point, I'm like just just kill him or not. Um, I making him a tragic character doesn't work for me as much, but I kind of like it. I think it works a little better to me. It's better than him being Darth Vader. I am your father. You know, you know what me. I so, might have uh, modeled. So I'm on the Beak. fence with that one. Um, you know what I might have modeled Ravenbeak after. I watched Man of Steel a couple weeks ago again. Great movie, and and Ravenbeak has Underrated. serious General Zod vibes to me. And maybe we could have leaned into that a little bit more to because like I feel like Zod is like kind of a sympathetic character while still being this like merciless, you know, bloodthirsty dude. Um, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I, I kind of yeah. agree with Dak though. Like, I, I think for some of the story elements, like I, I would have, I would have liked to just explicitly see like that quiet robe is like the original X. Like, I think that could have been kind of cool because because I was following along mm. and and I was about to ask you like what happened to Quiet Robe and and I didn't pick up on that he was like the original castaway. I, I like that element, but I, I like agree. It. Yeah, I, I, I would I wouldn't entirely hide that. I wouldn't necessarily put a huge billboard and be like, hey, he's. But I would hint at it a bit more. Obviously, it's a lot easier to like say you should hint at it a bit more when you're just giving us you know a, I, ideas and not the actual game but um i agree i like that element i thought it was cool yeah um i think like hinting at it a bit more and not making it as subtle would be good but i mean again that's just like that's how the game would deliver it i like that element though that you added i, I would it. go full bore and have a cutscene and then a boss fight with him why not like I don't, like <laughs> why not i don't know him. he wants to well you do yeah. technically kind of fight him at the end and you know what? Please, quite please tell me that you fight an Emmy in your story. It's somewhere at some point. You have a boss battle against. That's in all mine? I want. No, oh, no, in, no, in Dooms. <laughs> well, there's definitely I a mean, lot of Emmy fighting in mine. I mean, I, mean, I didn't yeah. address it, but like, I have zero problems with like replacing that uh, that one robot soldier fight with a power bomb Emmy fight. I actually okay. think it would be really cool because because if you think about it, you know, all the Emmy fights, Samus has to you know take out the uh, the Omega Juice from the. Uh, the the boneless mother brains to shoot them but by that time she has her metroid powers it would be cool if she actually was able to use her own metroid powers to like take out an emmy in like different phases and like slowly like whittle down its armor i think that would be sick mm-hmm. yeah um i mean i, I think so yeah. I boss would be cool i think like like Ravenbeak. that i like what you were doing i feel like i feel like in in yours it was a bit too in the middle for me i either kind of want him as like a general zod villain or like a fully like reformed like this guy is a not a force of good but he can be like a a different type of protagonist going forward that would be my personal preference 
I like the quiet world part. I like the Federation part. I don't like the, the different ending parts. I think I'd rather just have the story kind of like here it is and just maybe deliver it a little bit better. But I, yeah, I think for the most part, like everything was, was pretty like pretty solid. Yeah. I think that would, I, I think that what you presented would have um, been an improvement based on what I've heard. So cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, Base, so my, then my job is done here. Base, yeah. not cringe. <laughs> Uh, um, a solid, yeah. a solid seven out of ten. I'll take it. It, it, yeah, cer- no. it certainly wasn't cringe. That's for sure. Definitely um, not. Cr- definitely not cringe. That like that. Yes, the hundred percent not cringe. I did not cringe during any of that, which I think is considering the bar, how low the bar is for what's actually in the game. <laughs> you I know, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of great elements that are that are very based. Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> I think it. Uh, you know, I, I think it was definitely solid and certainly not cringe. So that's that's a W right there. Um, okay, so any any final thoughts, or do you want to hear, uh, should we just go right to Dak? Um, I guess the last thing I'll talk about maybe is kind of how I wanted to use the X in this game. So, Metroid Fusion, it takes a lot of inspiration, at least for me, I felt like that game takes a lot of inspiration from uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, with how the X kind of operates. Mm. And Samus Returns in Dread, they kind of lean away from that, the X just, like, they still have their copy abilities, but, you know, they immediately come right out in the open. But personally, I think it's a lot scarier to not know if something is an X or not. And that's kind of what I was going with with the quiet robe thing and kind of with that original mm. lore story of the X kind of playing the long game before building up its forces and finally attacking. And so that was kind of my influence when kind of reinterpreting the mm. X for this game was specifically the thing. Phenomenal movie if anyone hasn't seen it. I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. That sounds like an Andy movie, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, I was watching Jean-Claude Van Damme's Cyborg the other night, which is oh, a 10 out of 10 banger. <laughs> is that a canon it. movie? Is that a canon film? Let me check. It's it's a film. It's oh. <laughs> if anyone if everyone knows who canon films are, then you would, you would know that those are a goat amount of movies. What is it? Cyborg? Cyborg. From 1989. That's right. There's a Cyborg 2, as a matter of fact, with Angelina Jolie, which I... It is a canon movie. Oh, my God. I, yes. I, it's, it's Rob... Uh, yeah, because it's Van Damme. It has to be. You anyway. gotta check it out. Okay. <laughs> Dak... I definitely will. I love canon films. I'm pumped um, to hear what you got. I'm ready. Okay, so this is... I have more of like... I'm gonna like spin a yarn for y'all because I have it written in yarn form, but I do want to give some... So so first of all, let me let me say all of this. I know this this is just a, a my attempt... A first draft attempt at rewriting Dread. I would not stake my whole life or career on it. I wrote it all last night. Um, so for hey, so no yes, excuses. I, I'm just saying that like this better be there the best be thing a, I ever heard. I mean, I'm just saying, there could be a world where like a month from now I I, I would make changes to it or something like that. Um, yeah. So I, this is a completely new story, but it does use dreads elements so raven b quiet rope samus obviously um adam like those the ingredients are the same but the recipe is a little different um i wanted to acknowledge the events of fusion and kind of have the federation involved in the story but i wanted to start a new thread for the chozo to go forward um in this version the zdr is the thoha homeworld only so the malkin are invading from another planet and are invading zdr where the Malkin are, are, or where the Thoha live. Um, in this version, Ferenia is the capital city of ZDR for the Thoha, instead of the Malkin sanctuary or ritual site or whatever it is in Dread. Um, just like Doom's version, there's no DNA shenanigans. It's just Chozo DNA, and it's not really relevant to the plot. Um, 
Raymond Beek has nothing to do with Samus personally anymore. Is not her father. Um, Malkins are motivated to destroy Metroids and anyone who could use them specifically. Uh, Emmys are now specifically made to take out Samus, which is similar to to Dooms in a way. <laughs> um, and yeah, so those are kind of the big changes, but there are a lot of other changes. So okay, let me take y'all in. <clears throat> So this I'm is the, the roller coaster. This, this is the intro. And by the way, I'm I'm reading all this. Some of this stuff could be cutscene, could be gameplay. I think it'll be obvious when I'm when I'm when I'm talking about it. Right. The intro teaser. But uh, we start on ZDR, where we see the warrior Malkin, led by Ravenbeak, massacring the scientist Thoha tribe in Ferenia. Ravenbeak leaves Quiet Robe, one of the lead Thoha scientists, alive. In this version, as I said, ZDR is a planet occupied by the Thoha. Moha Malkins are invading from another planet and are now occupying Ferenia. The Thoha capital of ZDR. While the massacre continues, Raven B quietly ex- or explains to Quiet Robe that the Malkin want to destroy the Thoha tribe and their civilization for creating the Metroids, despite the Thoha creating them to destroy the X Parasites. So it was kind of a, a good to do that. More specifically, Raven Beak says that the Malkin blamed the Thoha for not just creating the Metroids, but creating the most dangerous weapon in the galaxy, Samus. Malkin reveal transmissions where it proves that they know that Samus has human Chozo and Metroid DNA. Quiet Robe thinks that Ravenbeak wants to destroy Samus just like the Metroids, but instead Ravenbeak suggests that he wants to make her the finest soldier in his army. Quiet Robe attempts to escape and they get into a brief fight, uh, gets into a brief fight with Ravenbeak before breaking away. In this version, Quiet Robe is also like not a slow old dude, but he's also <laughs> a capable fighter like Ravenbeak and is like younger. Okay. He gets away, but he's injured in the process. After getting away, Quiet Rope sends out a distress signal, hoping that someone will hear it. He then disappears from the city of Ferenia. Iterash, Ravenbeak's ship, lingers over Ferenia as we pull away from the Malkin ships occupying over Ferenia as Malkin banners and flags go up around the city. Fade to black. Act one. Present story starts literally right after Fusion. Literally, the word, Samus's last words with Adam, that conversation picks up right from there. Samus is still wearing the Omega suit. The animals are still on board. Almost right after that, Samus's ship is attacked from the outside, but it's not being attacked by another ship. She goes out into the vacuum to investigate and meets an Emmy, which has a Galactic Federation logo on it. Even at full power, Samus is barely able to fend off the Emmy, but she finally destroys it. Soon after Federation ships alive, Adam is unsuccessful in trying to hail them down and explain things. Adam tries to reason with the voice from the secret message in Fusion, which you can only get by doing that little uh, sequence break thing. And finds out that that secret voice, that person is trying to throw Samus and Adam under the bus completely. Adam tries to cite recorded conversation between them, but it finds it deleted. Samus gets back into her ship and tries to hail them as well, but the Federation ships threaten to take them down. Samus and Adam argue about whether to turn themselves in, but they decide they shouldn't, so they take off. They're going to be charged with all the events that have happened in Fusion as if they were the ones who were causing it. After flying off, Samus receives Quiet Robe's distress signal. They translate it as an SOS, but she's unsure whether or not the Chozo is aware that Samus needs help or if they need help themselves. Samus decides to follow the signal because it is Chozo origin. She arrives at an unknown planet where the transmission comes from. Samus is surprised to find an unknown planet at all and wonders if this could really be a world full of living Chozo. But when she arrives in Ferenion ZDR, she finds it destroyed and overtaken by the Malkin. Ravenbeak's forces then fire upon Samus' ship and Ravenbeak attacks the ship itself. It crashes in nearby Hanubia, which is a Thoha religious site that's been converted into a military facility by the Malkin in a starport. Ravenbeak orders many soldiers to the crash site and goes in pursuit himself. Now we enter the game. Samus has not lost all of her power-ups or abilities from fusion, but her plan- the planet that she finds herself on is more hostile than ever before. 
Also, the animals uh, survived the crash, but they run away. Oh. So they flee. At least they survived. That's important. They they survive, but they flee. Okay. While in Hanubia, Samus explores the remaining pieces of the previous Thoha religious site that had been there, informing her of the Thoha and what this place used to be before the Malkin arrived. However, Samus can't stay long and also flees Hanubia, leaving her ship behind and with Raven at Beak and his soldiers in pursuit. While on the run, Samus ventures deeper into ZDR. She explores the different regions in the planet like Gavorin, Berenia, and Cataris. In Gavorin, she fights off hostile wildlife in the forest. In Berenia, she explores the Thoha research facility. And in Kataris, she finds a heavily guarded Malkin operation generating thermal energy from a volcano that they're using to power their invasion and their occupation of Ferenia. Along the way, Samus is getting power-ups, looking for ways to contact people outside ZDR, and is following clues by someone left behind who isn't Malkin or Federation. And we learn that Ravenbeak is following this same trail. Samus continues to get stronger and brings her abilities together while dealing with ZDR. While adventuring, she contemplates what she saw when she was in Ferenia and what she saw in Ravenbeak. She doesn't remember the Chozo that way and wonders if they are Chozo at all. Throughout the way, Samus takes on a couple bosses and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, she finds uh, an individual deep within Gavorin. It's Quiet Robe, who's injured and survives the fight from the, the teaser. Samus is stunned to find a true living Chozo. Quiet Robe is also stunned, happy, and relieved. Uh, Samus, once they trust each other, Samus helps Quiet Robe fend off a few of Ravenbeak's scouts. Then Quiet Robe introduces Samus to a hidden den of Thoha survivors. As far as they know, the only Thoha survivors left on ZDR. Samus meets surviving Chozo elders, which kind of remind us of the classic Chozo that we think of when we see Chozo statues and whatnot. By the time Raven Beak shows up, uh, he's lost the uh, the trail. He is enraged, returns back to Hanubia, and destroys what's left of the Thoha religious site. Once inside the den, Quiet Robe reveals Raven Beak's ultimate plan. He wants Samus in his army in order to take on the Federation and any trace of the space pirates and any other civilization in the galaxy at all in order to remove any potential groups that could use the Metroids for any reason whatsoever. Quiet Robe says Samus has to help them stop Ravenbeak before he becomes too powerful. Samus is like, yeah, I'm totally down and agrees to help. Um, we cut to ZDR's orbit, where a Galactic Federation ship arrives and deploys at least a dozen or two drop pods towards ZDR. They all land around the planet. One lands in Ferenia. Ravenbeak confronts it, finding it to be an Emmy. He's almost overcome by the Emmy, but destroys it entirely. Fade to black. Act two. We flash back. To during the events of Fusion, as the events of the game unfolding that the Galactic Federation Security Council meets, they find out that the Excelion Star Corporation, a private robotics company, is operating, it was the ones behind operating the bottle ship and the BSL ship and other M and now in Fusion. They've learned that government funds have been siphoned in order to fund these secret illegal programs. They decide that once they find out who is operating the Excelion Star Corporation under the Galactic Federation's name, they'll have their culprit behind the events of the bottle ship and what's happening on the BSL. One of the security members suggests that instead Samus is to blame and connects her involvement in both events to this guilty claim. The BSL ship then, this is, this is by the way, happening during the events of fusion. Right. This, this meeting during the meeting, they get a notification that the BSL ship, it's on its trajectory to SR three, eight, eight, which is what Samus does at the end of fusion. Um, the, uh, security council member says that Samus is doing this to clean up the evidence He's able to successfully have Samus charge in order to bring her in for questioning when the station is destroyed. They order the Galactic Federal Police after her. But we learn that this Security Council member is the one who owns the Exelon Star Corporation and plans to have Samus taken out so she can't testify on her own behalf. 
Is this a, is this an existing character or is this going to be a reveal? This, this is this guy is the secret voice from Fusion. I, no, I know, but like, do we do we see this guy like talking to the rest no, of the no, council? You, you see all this is all this is all you see all of this. Okay, so is is this like I'm a, describing? Is this a new character or is this going to be like a reveal? Like we know this guy. Oh no no it's a new it's a new person sorry it's okay. not like Admiral Dane or something like okay, that gotcha. <laughs> completely new person but it's the voice from Fusion that Adam was talking it's Yumas yeah <laughs> um anyway so he's been using Exelion's own robotics program the Emmys um, which were supposed to be galactic uh, military support units not combat units and he reprograms them to create the Emmys that we know and then sends one off off to set after Samus which is what we see at the beginning of the game when that fails he has the um. Excelion ships use Galactic Federation police data to track Samus to ZDR, where he deploys more Emmys to take out Samus so she can't testify on her behalf. So we return to the present, where all those Emmys are now deploying to ZDR. Meanwhile, back in the Thoha Den, Samus and Quiet Robe have come up with a plan. They de- This is now the second act kind of like mission, essentially. They decide to separate and both take out crucial, crucial Malkin communication relays scattered around the planet. When they do this, they'll be able to meet in Cataris to attack the Malkin installation at the volcano without being seen on their approach, which will take out the power Ravenbeak is using to power their occupation on ZDR. When they knock this out, they'll be able to breach Ferenia and face Ravenbeak. So the two split up. Samus travels around the planet, explores Baradia and Gavorn again, as well as into Artaria and Dairon, hopefully with good music in order to take out the communication relays. Samus continues to pick up new power-ups and whatnot along the way, borrowing from Malkin technology, new Thoha technology, as well as the environment and fauna of ZDR. She also learns of the Emmys being on ZDR and begins to take them out area by area as they chase her down as they are ordered to kill her on site. As she adventures, Samus and Adam discuss whether or not Quiet Rogue can be trusted. While she is still on guard, she is reminded of Grey Voice when she sees and thinks of Quiet Robe. While she still can't trust them, she can't not think of her mentor either. Ravenbeak also continues the pursuit of Samus, finding another destroyed Emmy left in her path. Essentially, Ravenbeak is kind of following the destroyed Emmy Samus is leaving behind in order to try to catch up to her. Samus destroys the final communication relay, then heads to Kataris to take out the Malkin forces there and the thermal energy generator. There, she not only takes out the Malkin forces, but finds a heavily experimented on crate in the facility. First, assuming that it is of Malkin origin, she finds that it is actually a Thoha experiment, and specifically that Quiet Robe was the one leading the project. Samus very humanely puts Kraid out of his misery in a really dope boss battle. When Samus finally gets the generator, she's contru- confronted by Ravenbeak. Ravenbeak tries to convince her to join his army, but she says, but he says that he has a backup plan if she doesn't accept. He says that they're on the same side to eliminate any possible use of the Metroids in the future. He then tries to manipulate her, saying. Her parents left her an orphan. The Chozo abandoned her. The Federation uses her as a weapon. But together, they can rule the galaxy, and she can be treated like she really should be. Samus obviously doesn't join him. They fight, and Ravenbeak brings Samus to the brinks. Ravenbeak is about to defeat Samus when, boom, Deuce Ex Machina, Quiet Robe shows up to save her at the last minute. Together, Samus and Quiet Robe, 2v1, Ravenbeak in a really dope fight. And in this fight, Samus truly sees Grey Voice in Quiet Robe, noticing how both she and Quiet Robe were taught in the same way as by Grey Voice and how much they mimic each other's fighting styles. In this fight, Quiet Robe is fatally injured by Ravenbeak. He was already kind of previously injured, so it's he was kind of already. He was already leaking. And the fight results in the generator inadvertently being destroyed. Before Ravenbeak can power up and go Sephiroth mode and finish them both off for good, Ravenbeak receives a transmission from 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 Ferenia saying that they're being attacked. Back in Ferenia, boosh, cut over there. 
we see the city heavily fortified by the Malkin. However, the power goes down because the generator has been taken out, which brings the city's defenses down. Soon enough, the remaining Emmys arrive outside the city, not only now have been given direction to take out Samus, but to destroy anything else in their path and begin to tear through the city in pursuit of Samus. Back in Kataris, Ravenbeak flees the scene to head back to Ferenia. Quiet Robe tells Samus to pursue him now that Ferenia is vulnerable, which makes Ravenbeak and his entire invasion vulnerable and is now their best stop a shot to stop this. With his last bit of life force, Quiet Robe grants a Samus additional power that I'm not going to explain because I didn't think it through that she needs to take on Ravenbeak. Samus then heads to Ferenia to stop Ravenbeak and the Malkin once for all. Cut to black. Act three. We're almost done. Next, Samus explores a secret area of Kataris that connects to Hanubia and then ventures through a very on-alert Hanubia to make her way to Ferenia. Along the way, she gets stronger and stronger, takes on stronger opponents. Eventually, she makes it back to her ship's crash site in Hanubia and clears the area. Here, Adam, now is the time to reestablish connection of ZDR or connection outside of ZDR through the ship. Adam sends a direct message to the rest of the Security Council explaining what happened on Fusion and what they suspect is happening on ZDR. Adam doesn't get a response back, but says he'll continue to try. While this is also getting back, heading up to ZDR, it reveals that Samus and Adam had originally been, or it reveals to Samus that Adam had originally been working with Excelion and the secret voice in Fusion. Adam explains what happens and apologizes to Samus. Samus accepts his apology and moves to take on Frenia as a team. Meanwhile, Ravenbeak watches as his army is slaughtered by the Emmys and is eventually fighting off multiple himself. As his new city burns, Ravenbeak retreats to an area marked as Elon. Back with Samus and Adam. They make their way through Freudian to Ravenbeak's throne, but they find that he isn't there. They search for his new location, Elon, and find Ravenbeak there. Ravenbeak asks Samus to join him one last time, and she again refuses. Refuses. He then reveals his backup plan, saying that Quiet Robe and the Thoha aren't all that they seem, and have been hiding a weapon far greater than the Metroids this whole time. He opens up Elon, which is revealed to be a quarantine zone for the ex-parasites, which are somehow on ZDR. Samus is confused. She, he says that if Samus won't help him stop the Metroids and anyone wants to use them, then he'll do it himself and will help his useless army make some use of themselves. He then runs deeper into the Elon quarantine zone. Samus fights her way through the Elon. She still can handle the X, so she falls right through and follows Ravenbeak deeper inside. Meanwhile, the X spread across DDR. The X infect Ravenbeak's surviving army in Frenia, which turns him an X, which start to stifle the enemy's attack. Back in Elon, Samus chases Ravenbeak deeper into Elon, but finally trapping him in a final chamber. But Ravenbeak releases one final batch of X-Parasites, which finds that Samus, she can't absorb them. They are immune to Metroid DNA and being absorbed by Metroids. Ravenbeak leaves Samus behind while somehow trying to find a way to deal with these X and stop them from spreading outside of Elon. She manages to destroy all of them, barely makes it out alive, and fears that more Metroid-resistant X might be existing somewhere. Taking a secret exit out of Elon, she brings herself through other areas of ZDR. She fights her way through X-infected parts of the planet, back to Hunubia, back to Frenia, to confront Ravenbeak one last time, who is watching his X-infected army take on the Emmys. Although realizing he has now lost control of his army and the situation entirely, he retreats up to his ship, Iterash. Samus fights her way all the way up through Frenia, all the way to Iterash, and finally to Ravenbeak's true throne, where they do their final battle. With their newfound power and a little help from Adam, Samus takes on Ravenbeak and pushes him to his final form. While fighting Ravenbeak, Samus holds off infected Chozo and Emmys, and she's just, I mean, she's just just throwing, she's throwing down. In the end, Samus has the kill shot opportunity, but Raven, Ravenbeak begs her not to take out one of her own. But Samus is like, nah, so he, she's going to shoot him in the head. 
but she's attacked by another Emmy, who's managed to make his way onto the ship. Samus destroys the Emmy, but in the scuffle, Ravenbeak flees deeper into Arash, along with an Emmy body he's dragging along with him. We see that Emmys are dropping on Ferenia in orbit. The Security Council member sees that most of the Emmys on the surface have been eliminated and surmises that Samus is the one on ZDR destroying them all. We see that the program is still in its infant stages and that there are only so many Emmys, and they're incredibly expensive to make and build and maintain. Nonetheless, he sends even more down, depleting Exelion's inventory of current Emmys completely. Adam informs Samus that Ravenbeak is looking to warp Iterash away from ZDR to an unknown coordinate. Samus watches all the Emmys drop to the surface of ZDR. She sells us to the side between staying on Iterash to deal with Ravenbeak or stay behind and destroy the Emmy flooding onto ZDR. Ultimately, she decides to stay behind and exits the Iterash before it warps away from the planet. The final act. Back on the surface, Samus holds off the Emmys but sees more coming down from orbit. She's not sure if she can take them all on. Adam comes up with a plan to draw them all to Catarus, to the generator, and blow it up with the Emmy still there, taking them all out at once. So she goes to Catarus. She arrives. She figures out how to make the generator go off. By the way, it was deactivated earlier. Now it can, it can, it can blow up because that's what I need to happen. Just because. Get, get. <laughs> it, it, trust me, it was deactivated earlier now, but it can still blow up and it can blow up now. Yeah, Don't worry yeah. about that. that. That's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> She arrives and figures out how to make it go off, but overloading the thermal generator by overloading it in three places. She does this, and Metroid-resistant X-Parasite shows up. She fights it off. She has just minutes before the Emmys arrive, but she successfully defeats the boss in time. She then traps the Emmys in her room somehow and goes off to shut off the generator. Before she can do that, the Thoha survivors from the den arrive to stop Samus, concerned that letting the generator blow will let the, make the volcano erupt, which could heavily damage their home and the planet, if not the planet entirely. But Samus says it must be done, but promises that she will help them rebuild in the wake of all that's happened. And she doesn't have another choice. Chozo let her, the Thoha reluctantly let her proceed. She rigs the generator to go off. She has to escape the area. Classic escape sequence. She loses track of the Thoha survivors. And then she runs into the animals from Fusion and decides whether or not to reach the safe zone or to help them. Either way, uh, she makes her way outside of the explosion's range just in time. Just as the Emmys are about to escape, the bomb goes off, destroying the area. Oh, she set off a bomber. I guess I wrote this. In. Whatever. It goes off. But, the, but it also sends off the volcano. Samus escapes. Unbeknownst to her, the Emmys survive the bomb explosion, but are unable to survive the erupting volcano. Samus watches as the volcano clouds the sky and destroys everything in its wake. The Thoha survivors survive, or survive and they make it back to her. She's distraught, but they embrace. Adam finally jumps in, interrupts, saying she's made contact with the Federation that he and Samus can finally testify to what's happened. We then cut to orbit. We see the security member's ship, angered by all the Emmys that have been taken out, though one of them is marked MIA, likely the one Ravenbeak took. The member vows to siphon more money, create more Emmys, and hunt Samus down himself, but then the cops show up, arrest him, boom, throw him in jail, stop his operations. Back on ZDR, Samus apologizes to the Thoha for having to make a hard decision, but they forgive her, saying... That her actions likely saved all their lives and thus the remainder of the tribe. She didn't know it was truly right, but she made a decision she thought that was. The Federation land, offering Samus a ride home, and she declined, electing to stay on ZDR instead. Credits. Um, I have a post-credits mission and a 100% cutscene, but any initial thoughts? I know I just threw 15 minutes of plot at you, but... Uh... I, I was about to say I want to I want to read that for myself. That was very hard to follow along. I, if I I'm being notes. honest, not, <laughs> not I took notes. Not, not your fault. It was just it was just a lot of a lot of information. It was a lot of info. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, I, I, that's my that's my first takeaway. Is I, a lot of it I actually really liked, but the the very first takeaway I have is like it, it's definitely busy. Like there's a lot going on. There's your your a plot, which is the the conflict with with Ravenbeak and the the Mock and Thoha. There's your B plot, which involves the Emmys and Excelion, and uh, arguably your your C plot with uh, I don't even know if this would be a C plot, but like Quiet Robe is his own kind of plot, and then like your your hold or your your D plot from Fusion with like the the animals and and maybe some of the X parasites. So there, there's definitely know. a lot going on, but that, maybe yeah. some of that D and C is part of A and B. I don't know. Well, there was definitely the intent to have like an A and a B plot for yeah. sure. Like the B plot kind of wraps up the Federation stuff. And then the A plot is, or I mean, you can go either way, but like the, that's like like the Chozo conflict, and then setting that up for mm-hmm. for the next thing. So, so um, I mean, that being said, I think if you had like, let's just say a dozen, let's say if you had a dozen cutscenes that are like maybe two to five minutes or something like that, that could be better than having like the big cutscene at the beginning, the big cutscene in the middle, and the really big cutscene at the end. So I, I don't hate it. It is. It's busy, but you. I think if you told it in a in a structured and paced way, it, it wouldn't yeah. be like like it would be digestible, you know. Yeah, and some of this stuff were like, for example, Samus and Adam having a conversation could be something that like happens during gameplay, you know. Yeah. Um, there would definitely be some major cutscenes, obviously, but like I also imagine some of this happening like as you play, and obviously there are some areas yeah. there where I mentioned like she's doing her thing, but yeah, um, there's I, definitely. I, I tried to add a lot more because I feel like I don't. Know, I want to have. Yeah. More uh, stuff I, 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 don't, I have some I other thoughts, but Doom, you go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't mind it, the the narrative being meaty. It's just like on a first listen through, it's hard for me to follow along. I I have to like read it for myself and like you know, you know, be able to like take in all the information for my ADHD riddled brain. Yeah, but like I, I feel I like, made, but, like, like notes. I think <laughs> I saw, I saw you. I think notes. you can. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think you can make it make it work, even on, even if on the surface it feels like you know like a bloated Metal Gear Solid style plot. You know, I like you were mentioning, like you know you can have Which... some of the stuff play out in dialogue through gameplay, or even you don't even necessarily need to have dialogue. You can just have you know environmental storytelling that tells a lot of a lot of the stuff like Metroid typically does. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Right. Yeah, I tr- I, I definitely was trying to. I mean, I guess it's like. Um simplicity versus amount of information like i tried to keep this story pretty simple but it's just a lot so it's a lot yeah. to take in but i'm glad i i'm glad i got to spin my yarn though because that was fun it, it is definitely <laughs> like like metal gear solid like it feels like it has more story than any other metroid game times like two even even other m but yeah. but again like i i i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing right because like it's even with other m it, it was like it wasn't bad that that game had a lot of story. It was just the way that it was delivered, the way that it was structured was, was kind of the shits. So like, if you, if you do it right, then, you know, then, then it has all the potential to, you know, to be awesome. So I, I have some more thoughts, but I want to hear this, this final uh, little bit. Yeah. So real quick, um, after the credits, there's a post credits mission, uh, post credit, there's a post credits mission and there's a hundred percent cutscene, um, which happens after post credits mission. So post-credits. Sometime after the events of the game, ZDR is slowly but surely healing, and the Thoha are rebuilding Ferenia and elsewhere. Deep in a new area of the planet, Samus is hunting X in any X-infected forms. She's using a Thoha-created radar to search for X, and by the looks of things, she's clearly hunting tons of them as well as Metroid-resistant X. Samus and Adam discuss and reflect the events of the main game, the 10 pages I just told you about. 
Samus, thanks, Adam, for sticking up for a while. Adam says the investigation is long from over, but thankfully his evidence and their testimony helped clear her name. Samus wonders if she'll be able to trust the Federation again and work for them, even though the culprit behind it all has been brought to justice. Samus finds a Metroid-resistant X, which has Ravenbeak DNA. Samus takes down Ravenbeak X-Form and is reminded that Ravenbeak is still on the loose. As Adam thinks about what's on her mind, Samus thinks about her last fight with Ravenbeak and watched him escape with the Emmy. She's clearly contemplating that she needs to go find him and end this once and for all. So it's mostly like a mission where Samus is kind of just going around killing X's and then mm-hmm. takes on a Ravenbeak X. 100% cutscene. Outside an unknown planet, the Iterash falls out of warp with its warp fa- drive failing. The ship lands on the planet's surface, welcomed by a mass of Mawkin forces. It is the Mawkin homeworld. Ravenbeak emerges from the ship injured, but with the Emmy. Ravenbeak collapses in front of a group of Mawkin elders who look at him with disgust, but with the Emmy in curiosity. Hmm. End. Okay, so I think this is something I didn't follow from the original script, but you mentioned the Ravenbeak, Ravenbeak X, but the one that crashed on the Mockin' homeworld, that's the original Ravenbeak, not a corrupted X-Parasite version, correct? The So the original uh, Ravenbeak that's invading as ZDR is Ravenbeak. Okay, so the one, oh, I'm talking about the one that lands on the Mockin' homeworld. Is that an X-Parasite oh, oh, that's, infected that's the same. That's the same Ravenbeak. It's the that, real one. That's real Ravenbeak. So okay. how is Ravenbeak? How's there an so, X so parasite in this guy? Because because they get his DNA somehow, and then it's it's who who knows okay. how it happened? Who okay. knows how okay. they get his DNA? I could accept that. That's an answer for another time. But yes, it is. Gotcha. I mean, okay. I, I was just wondering if there was something I missed in the original are, narrative. Any characters I that I gave you are are themselves, unless I said otherwise. Like Raven Beak is Raven Beak, and right. then he's the Raven Beak in the hundred percent cutscene. Raven Beak X is. I don't know. I just kind of thought it would be a fun way to throw Raven Beak X back in. I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. you could try to explain that some other way, but that's not because he died or got infected. Okay. Somehow got his DNA. He he cloned he he cloned himself and then he infected his clone with the X. I think that's We've, a good X. Yeah, we find out about it in the next game. <laughs> yep. So I I have some some thoughts, Doom. Unless you want to go ahead, or if you have any questions of like this didn't make sense or like well, and so the thing that. is, is like I know that like if if there's certain questions that you can ask that it's just like I don't know we're just gonna make it work for the for the purpose of our story right so like like yes, it, like a good, a good example answer. is like the generator right so it's like it can go off and it can go back on as needed for you know what I mean so that I that think, I'm fine I think with. the intent was like trying to to take it offline and then eventually overloading it so like, yeah yeah like that that's fine so a, a few. So a few questions. Does Samus still get her Metroid abilities? Is that maybe what? No. No? Okay. No. So she doesn't get her Metroid abilities um, for two reasons. Number one, I didn't think about it when I wrote this. Number two, (laughs) um, I don't think it was necessary for the story I was trying to tell. And also, I I like, I think the Metroid powers have a really cool factor to, like a cool X factor to them. I think they're awesome. But they kind of border on not Metroidy for me. When Samus has literal Metroid power, I think it's a bit more. I think it's kind of on the nose. Um, it's not something that like I hate or anything. It's not something that I think really intrigues me from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't think about it when I uh, when I wrote this. So no, in this version, Samus does not have Metroid powers. But. Eh, maybe she could, I don't know. You could, I mean, yeah, you could maybe rewrite this to have her have, I thought it'd be more interesting for her to co-opt like Malkin and Thoha and ZDR technology and powers rather than like 
I, I don't disagree, she, actually. I think the story that you told... The vaccine, she gets Metroid powers. I never yeah. really played for me, so... I think the story you told doesn't necessarily need Metroid powers either. I just wanted to confirm. Okay, so I have yeah. some things that I, I really like, some things that I'm not a fan of. All right, um, hit me. So... I, I like Quiet Robe in this story. I like because uh, he he was kind of like this old guy that just died immediately. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of. I like someone that you can like fight beside someone a little bit more spry. Someone I could see in a Super Smash Bros. game. I thought it would be cool to have Samus like fight alongside a Chozo. I think that'd be dope. So, yeah. But. So I think that would be cool. So I like this interpretation of Quiet Robe uh, much more, and I. I do kind of like the idea that the Thoha maybe have some shades of gray to them. They're not as benevolent as we might imagine. Uh, I would have even liked to see that go a little bit further, actually. Because, mm-hmm. like, if they're experimenting on Kraid, like, that could be like a, oh, damn, like, what are these guys doing? Like, because, uh, you know, they they probably have done a lot of different experiments in their time creating life and colonizing planets and stuff like that. So, so I like that. Um, mm-hmm. I love that the animals are acknowledged in this game. I think that's great. Have to. Had I, to. I like priority. I like that. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just looking at my notes here. I I do. I'm. I like that. I like the separation of the Thoha and Makin on uh, on the planet, and that it's like a Thoha planet that is kind of being like defiled by the Makin, if you will. So so I like that as well. Um, and I do. I I like the uh, like bringing in the. Um, like the Galactic Federation uh, and Excelion specifically. You know, I, I've always kind of said, like, uh, I was making up a name for the shadowy corporation. <laughs> I think I called them, like, Splinter Cell or something like that when I was kind of yeah. pitching that. Excelion, like, Excelion, there's your Splinter Cell. Like, that's a that's a great group to have that. So so I like that yeah. as, as well. Um, and there's a lot more I like, but I'll, I'll just really quickly. Some things that didn't exactly hit for me are, I, I wonder, like... And I don't know how you I don't know how you do this, but I, I feel like it's just a smidge anticlimactic to have the shadowy guy in fusion be like an original new character. But I don't mm. I don't okay. know. Like, I don't know the alternative to that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, no, that was that that. So the Excelion thing in this, I wanted to work that in, but that was like the hardest thing for it to like make yeah. sense. Yeah. Um. So because my, my thing was, is that I want to hit a middle area of like, OK, I accept that, like the ending of fusion wasn't the whole federation is bad. Mm. So like, I wanted to kind of still make it like a splinter celly thing, but I wanted to have someone involved be in a really high position of power. So you kind of get a little bit of both where it's not the whole federation. We have someone who's in a big position of power who could do bad stuff and does um, in order to fulfill their, their nefarious deeds or whatever. So I tried to walk that line. I wasn't sure what was better to make them a whole new character. Like not like, like the secret match part, but like you said, like a new character we never met yeah. before or someone that we have. Cause it's like, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't, if it's kind like, of. if it's a, if it's a new character, you're like, Oh, but if then if it's a character, we know you're like, it's really, it's this guy. Like it feels contrived. Yeah. So I it, felt, I feel to, like who would that character be? And who would it like, be? Exactly. I, I don't know. I, didn't, I, I, also didn't I, I think, I, I think original character is definitely the best way to go on that route. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't like, I don't disagree actually at all. And I really like that. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that guy from Fusion should be, like, a secret, like, the, the right? guy. Right, like, like, I thought that was the perfect kind of that, thing. That makes a lot of sense. But, like, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, well, like, I don't know this guy, but I don't know how you get around that. So I think yeah, was, yeah. it's kind of hard because there aren't a lot of, like, bad guy yeah. Galactic Federation figures that, like, I think of Admiral Dane, good guy. If he's the bad guy, I'd be like, what, why? If it's Adam, it's like, why? So, like, I didn't really know. 
but, yeah, but I feel it. Only, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard either way. The, the only person you have is the unnamed general and other M, but again, he's unnamed. Yes. He's not like... Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. Speaking is of I, Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> I saw that guy in, in Snake Eater. I mean... <laughs> about that guy I <laughs> that guy after i wrote this i'm like should yeah. i work that guy in so maybe it could be maybe it oh, could be him that like, guy was so awful and ridiculous like it could have yeah, been that I guy like, like that character i could have I, I i maybe he like shows up in a like maybe he's working on the ship you know like yeah. he's like the the search council like ship like maybe he's working on it but yeah that i could have brought him in um could, what else you got so so yeah so that like i i but again i, I don't know what you would do for that i will say I, I don't like that he gets arrested at the end uh, because I think that like I think mm-hmm. that like that should be like an ongoing threat perhaps but but if you do that then like what's your final boss battle because if Ravenbeak gets away and that guy gets away you're kind of just like ah I feel a little bit short changed here because like hmm. um okay. but so so I think I think of the two, I, I might have actually have you defeat Ravenbeak and that guy lives on to fight another day and creates like more kind of things to go after you. I'm not sure. Um, that's, that's a good point. I, um, cause I, the th- I wanted Ravenbeak to survive. I wanted yeah, there to be a continuation I do. I like of that. that. And I wanted there to be a finality to the Federation part, but I didn't want it to be a finality for that character. I kind of thought about it as like Negan and Walking Dead, right? They defeat him and then they leave him in jail. He's still an active character, but mm-hmm. he's like his threat has been taken out and the character kind of gets reformed. That's kind of how I would think is he'd be a character that would show up in the future, but yeah, he wouldn't okay. be a threat anymore. But I do agree. It might be a bit like to me, the climax of it is like the final fight with Ravenbeak, even though he gets away. I think like the the addition of like Sam is kind of like Sam has beat him. And also she has to make a decision and like that's kind of the climax of like does she follow or does she stay to like help the Thoha? Mm-hmm. But that could be stronger. I agree with that. Or maybe like a bit more like definitive in one in some way, because you're right, both are like Yeah, and just spitballing not, like I, yeah, I really no, like I really like Ravenbeak like gaslighting Samus and because there's an element of truth to it where it's just like, you know, all these guys are just using you, like you should come fight with me on this mission, which on on the surface doesn't seem like the world's worst mission to, to eliminate mm-hmm. anyone that would use Metroids. So I really like Ravenbeak's characterization in this game. So I, I would like to see him kind of continue, but mm-hmm. it's kind of another situation where I don't know how you get out of that. Um, can I, can I add something? Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Can I add something? Yeah. Yeah. Can I add something to the, uh, the boss conversation? I think, I, I think there's a way that you could potentially get that. Um, I think you could address both where you have like a really conclusive finality of a final boss, but you still have them reappear at the end. And, I'm get, I'm gonna use of all things, uh, Ridley and Samus Returns, where I feel like that was, again, my personal thoughts on Samus Returns aside, a really sick final boss battle that really felt final mm-hmm. and conclusive. But you could still bring back Ridley in Super Metroid because you know he wasn't defeated at the end. Samus thought he was defeated. Maybe you could do something similar with like Ravenbeak, where like if you feel like you know you just got the smackdown of a century, you know you did the PB against Ravenbeak, but nah, he's still. He's still crawling back up out of the ring after the fight's ended, and he's ready for revenge. Mm. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I think like I, I mean like I'm not the biggest fan of Adam, obviously. So like mm. there, you you're a fan of Adam. There's just a little like there's a little much Adam in there for me, but uh, mm. you know that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I think I try to I like to kind of treat him as like a a, a reflecting board for Samus to kind of have. Like kind yeah. of like a, like a your ghost in destiny, a little companion to talk to. Um, and I 
try to work him in, in in that way. But again, that kind of stuff to me is like you're not locked in a cutscene with him. Like like Adam yeah. and Samus cut a lot of those would be like as Samus is playing, it would be like a, a voiceover, like they'd have it while you're playing kind of thing. Cause I agree I don't need you to be locked down by Adam conversations, but I like would like them to happen. Yeah. So okay, so and Adam was originally working with Excelion, is that correct? So that's like the so at least my understanding, the implication of the fusion secret conversation is that to some degree, Adam was working with that person because right. they are like, should we bring Samus in on our plan? Blah, blah. And he's like, no, blah, whatever. So that's where I'm taking that from mm-hmm. is that there was some kind of relationship there in right. fusion, okay. not in this game. Okay. I think the so the the only other thing I would add that I wasn't crazy about was the the callback to uh to Greybeard, which I'm not like actually on the surface the I don't mind or whatever whatever is is, 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 it, is it Greybeard is it Grey Voice Voice it's Grey Voice well, it's Grey Voice so we'll address that in the manga episode <laughs> but so my my point is is like if you haven't read the manga you have no idea who the hell that is and like i feel like yeah. a very small percentage like probably very small of metroid fans who play the games have read that so if you were going to do that maybe i would have put in a um like a couple scenes maybe establishing who that is i know zero mission like kind of sorta does but not really mm-hmm. um or i might just take that out but that's i that's pretty much it like i think like everything else like you could make work with like the proper you know like the like the proper foundation and the proper uh storytelling it's it's busy it's chaotic at the end but i think that could be cool it's got some like corruption vibes to the end of it i feel um well that's cool um thank you um yeah i think on the gray voice thing that was more of like a samus like flashes back and and you kind of get like it was more of those things like when you kind of see the flashback you kind of get who Gray's voice is supposed to be like a mentor, like yeah, parental okay. figure to Samus. That's kind of all you really need to know, at least for the purposes of this. Um, I didn't intend for it to be like going like I, I, I definitely get what you're saying, how it's written, like takes for granted that you would know who Gray voice is. But how I was thinking of it would be like when you flash back to it, you would see in the flashback. Oh, Samus sees this person in them because they're clearly a mentor figure. And you see like a scene of them training together or something like that, like that kind right. of thing. That's all you really need to know. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like hinting at like more importance from Grey Voice that we would know only from reading in the manga. But okay. I could have made that clear. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I think that's it would fine. be like the game. It would be like the game's interpretation of Grey Voice, not necessarily like like full on literal character. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. Doom. What do you think? Yeah, I don't have much to add. I I think this is a really good story. I think there's a lot to work with here. Again, like very it, it would be difficult to interweave this in with Metroid gameplay, but not impossible and I don't know. I kind of want to see Metroid take on that challenge in a non-other M kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I you know, I don't think it would be as tough as as we're thinking to to intertwine it with the gameplay. I I really don't. Like I I think if you like if you did have like uh Let's just say that you're let's just say that Metro Dread takes you 10 hours. Let's say that you have a couple minutes, like like I said, two to five minutes cutscene every like 40 minutes. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And you could do like a longer cutscene at the end, a longer cutscene uh, at the beginning, and one longer cutscene in the middle. Like I I I don't know. I, I think that that could work. And like you just do like small little storytelling. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to it's not gonna be Metal Gear Solid level, right? But like I don't know, like, you, you look at a Zelda game, like, you look at Ocarina of Time, like, there's some 
you know, in between like each temple that you go to, there's like cutscenes that aren't super long, but they tell you what you need to know, kind of set up the next dungeon or whatever. Like, I, I, I don't think it's like a world part with mm-hmm. with this game. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like, I mean, like, for example, the intro teaser, like that's like obviously a whole cutscene. Um, but then like stuff like, you know, the like Samus being the Chozo in the den and like some other, like some other stuff, like some fights like would be cutscenes. But a lot of this, I imagine it would be like gameplay. Um, but there are obvious cutscenes, obviously, when you're looking at the guy in orbit, you know, the Excellion stuff, the Galactic Federation stuff, a lot of that's cutscene. Um, I, you know, for me personally, like I like some people like their Metroid with less story and less intrusion on the gameplay. Um, and I totally and I totally respect that. And I tried not to like, I know it's, there is a lot, but I tried to like Mm -hmm. do it in service of the game, right? Like, you know, the communication relay stuff, that's all like gameplay going around the world and destroying that stuff. Um, But Fusion's one of my favorite Metroids for a reason, because it has that story and character development. So I, you know, want to channel a little bit of that there, but I totally get that This is not like, I'm sure people listening to this are like, oh my God, this guy's still going for 10 minutes. This is way too much story. <laughs> I also tried to go into like every major, like even gameplay beat, you know? So that's why I kind of flesh it out that way. But I hope some people at least appreciate a more story filled thing for a, a big pivotal point in the overall Metroid arc, which is what I was trying to go for. Well, if anything, like I, you know, a lot of people debate like gameplay versus story and people like act like you can only have one or the other. And like, I vehemently disagree with that. There's, I mean, so, you know, we mentioned Metal Gear Solid countless times. But, like, there are so many different games and series that are built off of having both quality story and gameplay elements. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think Metroid can do the same if the effort is put in. Well, and he, and here's the thing also about that. And, you know, I, I've, I've kind of beat up and taken a shot or two at Metroid Fusion in my time here. But the, the, the thing that that game does is it has limitations in the way that it's able to tell a story. Where, like, if, mm-hmm. if you made that same game now... There's like, like you said, Dak, you would be walking and playing as you were talking to Adam. So like that wouldn't slow you down. And and that's, it's not the story that, that I don't like about Metroid Fusion. It's, it's that you kind of have to, to stop what you're doing to, to mm-hmm. get that story. So like if Metroid Dread, if you were to make this game, like, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, certainly I, I want to say like almost every, maybe not like important cutscenes, but if like Adam needed to talk to you, like you don't have to stop to do that. You can continue to play like, and, and I think that that's where, um, there was issues with Metro fusion. And then like, even with, with other M, like, like it, there wasn't like that many different cutscenes where like you had to stop playing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there was an appropriate amount. It's just that those cutscenes sucked. So like, <laughs> you know, like, and then they felt like they dragged out because they yeah, weren't good. Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of like, oh, geez, like, can we can we get on with this? Like, I do not mm. want to watch this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that is at least like soured a, a little bit of of people in in like wanting more more story in their Metroid. Where they're just like, oh, look at other M. Look at how that worked out. Where mm-hmm. and, you know, as we've said countless times on this show since day one. It's not the it's not that the idea was bad. It's just the execution wasn't there. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, but yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm glad we were able to do this. I think this was a, a fun little exercise. And again, this yeah. is not a story that I'm like, oh, this is so much better than the actual story. Like, this is the perfect retelling. Like, even just the little workshopping we did of like our different opinions on this. I'm sure we could, 
if we took like a, a day or two, we could oh yeah mold mold what both Doom and I brought to the table here to like something way better. So this was just like me at 10:30 p.m. last night. Like I have to be prepared for the episode tomorrow. <laughs> I need to have something, and I just you know in a fueled late night run wrote 10 pages down and then edited a little bit this morning but yeah this was this was fun i love uh trying I, to spin a yarn and, and yeah so yeah i agree i i, I really appreciate oh yeah i was i was gonna say i really appreciate how like both of us went about this in two completely different ways as well like i feel like i feel like both of us crafted some really unique narratives as well that and so i'm i'm glad that like like there was obviously some overlap because we're both you know working with Metroid Dread here. That's mm-hmm. natural, but mm-hmm. otherwise, like they feel like two unique narratives. And you know, I you know obviously I'm biased towards my approach, but also like I thought Dax's approach, your approach was really good too. Like I would love to play that. Yeah, no, I agree, and I thought the changes you made like were solid as well. I'm like was, and I like again, I, and Andy was saying before, I like that we had, and you just as now like we had two different approaches, two different stories. Probably also good for the length of this episode because we both had ten pages of a story to talk about. Oh, we'd boy. still be here. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I think like we were both on a similar path in a lot of ways. We just kind of approached how we wanted to get those ideas across mm-hmm. vastly different ways, which kind of like leads to what our interests are and what our styles are. So. Yeah, I would I would play both of these Metroid Dread games as well as the original. So boom, yeah. we have three great Metroid Dread yeah, games. I'm, now, I'm still playing the original Metroid Dread regularly, so <laughs> boom. I'm playing um, I'm playing Metroid Fusion right now, baby. <laughs> so I'm I'm a few I'm a decade behind you. Um Yeah. yeah so common common theme here is I think everybody kinda didn't want the DNA nonsense, which I you know I I was okay with, but I, I get it. I get it. Um and I think that we all kind of wanted a little bit more from Ravenbeak, either like more story or more potential for more story in future games. So I, I think that that I hopefully we could still get there some way. I don't know. Maybe they could bring him back somehow. I don't know how. Yeah, every everything about Ravenbeak is like he has such a cool design. Uh, yeah. I, I love his Chozo, his Chozo voice. You know, as I mentioned, like probably probably in my top two top three all-time boss battles such a good boss fight i mean there's a reason there's a reason like we all want him in smash and it's just like man as cool as he is in this game there there's so much more that can be done and like you mentioned there's so much potential for the future too and even though in my version i, I still technically killed him off like mm-hmm. i feel like in both of our approaches like we did more whether you it was gave him a little bit more complicated the game or whether yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. try to do more with them. Try to get more juice for the squeeze out of the Raven Beak. Yeah. Well, and any any game that has the animals in Kraid, you know that I'm going to be all over. So I, I will admit, I did throw Kraid in there uh, <laughs> for for brownie points. I will admit, but, I, you know, <laughs> so, but like I said, I was trying to use as much of the original game as I could. So yeah. Um, okay. Well, well, that was awesome. Thank you for preparing that, guys. That was uh, that was great. I I. Uh, I would love to play these games. I really would. Uh, I wish that we could get them. I don't know. Maybe there's a, a modder out there somewhere that can work some magic or something. Everyone wants to, to make yeah. a fan game yeah. based on the story I wrote. You are more than welcome to do so. Yeah. Um, that would be a lot of fun. So, And also, by the way, uh, because, again, I'm sure people were listening to that for 15 minutes. were like, I am not keeping up with this. Um, I'll post the... I don't know, I'll post the, the, the document somewhere, I guess, maybe yeah. in the Discord or on Twitter, like a PDF, so people can read it and follow along or Let, something. Let's I mean, put it in the episode notes so that we can. Yeah, uh, I was about to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's perfect. Actually. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that is uh, that's a wrap on this script doctoring episode. We should, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe somewhere down the line we should revisit other M, see what you guys come up with, and we can have each each member I, have their own story. I think that's the natural progression here. Is now we need to rewrite the game that really needs because Dread. I mean, let's be honest. Like Dread doesn't really need to be rewritten. We're kind of just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. Other other M needs a little time on, under the knife, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so other I M be needs, against that. It needs deep surgery. Uh, so yeah maybe yeah. we'll do that one day uh, okay I'm down for that well we are going to get out of here thank you guys that was awesome uh, of course we want everybody to uh to check us out over on twitter at omega metro pod i'm at spateri 316 dak is at dak city underscore dooms at doom lacrosse and we are over at omega metro.com we've got guides maps news music we've got all kinds of stuff going on over there and we got patreon going on which is uh we're rolling through with the great metroid area ranking so check that out um and yeah hit us up wherever you get your podcast like subscribe drop us a sweet five-star review we would love that uh i know i don't read them on the show as often as i should but i do check them and uh you know we had some some good ones in there so thank you to everybody that takes i, I want to read our reviews because i look through them every once in a while and i think there's a bunch of funny ones yeah yeah <laughs> so we should some... read them off one day yeah, there's a really good one. It's a newer one that I'll I'll share with you after. All right. Um, but but yeah, okay. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we are going to get out of here. But uh, until next week, everybody, uh, take care.